welcome to Diverse and Inclusive Leaders, the show where I interview the most inspirational and thought-provoking leaders of today and unearth their unique stories of diversity and inclusion to help inspire, educate and motivate others to make the world a better place. Today, I am absolutely delighted to be joined by Hugo D'Souza. Now, Hugo joined Capital Consulting as Head of Innovation and Ecosys. He brings a wide range of experience from a plethora of different areas and expertise to the consulting team that includes launching two startup organizations, leading the innovation and the consulting teams, and also designing the ecosystems when it comes to strategic partnerships, as well as solid hands-on computer science background experience um, before he actually stepped into the current role. Hugo worked for consulting firms such as Arthur D. Uh, Little, GFI, and also Bearing Point. He's very committed when it comes to corporate innovation strategies as a central topic to future-proof organizations. And really, this is incredibly key, especially at the present time that we are facing with, with COVID-19. His recent focus in recent years has been helping legacy organizations when it comes to innovating continuously, creating the future whilst transforming the core business. Welcome to the show, Hugo. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Thanks so much for joining me, Hugo. And before we, we kick off into today's podcast, I think actually the experience that you have, and I know that we organized the podcast before the pandemic struck, but I think in particular, it would be remiss for me not to ask you the question about the relation of what you're doing right now to, to your experience when it comes to, to COVID-19. How are you finding things personally? And also, I, I bet it's been particularly interesting given your day-to-day -day job and relating that to the pandemic, because actually it's surely become even more relevant today. Well, uh, so I've decided to dedicate my career to corporate innovation strategy, meaning helping uh, to future-proof our org organizations. Uh, and this whole thing started particularly probably after I, I did the exit of my startup. So I've decided to dedicate my life precisely to help old organizations to become new again. So I, I went through all the innovation methodologies, like, such as design thinking, a uh, lean startup, and I was thinking, why don't we apply these methodologies uh, to old organizations that are struggling to, 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 to survive? So this is how my journey into the corporate innovation world started. Uh, but um, soon I, I realized that innovation is important. Uh, people like to talk about it, but then they don't invest enough uh, in order to, to innovate. And I'm not talking about just technology. I'm talking about new ways of working, new ways of thinking. Uh, new way, new ways of, of of leading because innovation can take many different, many many different forms. So w w what I I understand now is that is that without the need to innovate, companies won't spend money or time or attention in exploring new business models, like exploring new 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 things. So it requires a burning platform. Usually, it's a small startup challenging the status quo of a big company or the uh, one client one important client left and, and now there's a need to come up with something new and sign something different uh so take a look at nokia uh, when, when the iphone or apple uh, uh, developed the iphone they were like god we are number one now what what we, are we going to do because this is completely different there's an app store model we need to innovate it was too late mm -hmm. okay so now with covid19 from an innovation point of view the fact there's a burning platform it's it's a good reason 
the problem is that sometimes when we need to innovate, it's too late because it should be an ongoing activity. So organizations should spend more time exploring new things, not just optimizing the existing reality. We, we call it the core business. So mm. usually uh, the, the performance in the, the reward system is designed to optimize the core business from an efficiency point of view, from a sales point of view. And we completely forget that we need to learn and to explore new, new things. Uh, so the COVID-19 is now uh, uh, an interesting situation because I've been helping a few organizations as well as my own organization to come up with new ways of working, uh, redesigning the experience of, of existing services. And now I feel, okay, people are more open-minded, uh, uh, but they are still probably a bit in self-denial. So they know they need to, to, to design different experiences, different services. They need, they need to imagine. Imagine, so I work a lot with governments. They, they now need to serve citizens in a, in a different way, in particular in a, in, a, in a digital world. But sometimes they are still trying to apply the same old concepts or ways of working, regardless of the fact that this new approach is completely di different. So even when we recommend do this, do that, we, we still feel a lot of resistance mm -hmm. and, and there's a burning platform. We are running out of time, so we cannot waste a lot of time. Imagine uh, developing a four weeks business case. It's now the new approach is start by starting. We learn by doing things. Mm -hmm. Failure is part of the process. We need to be able to disagree, of course, in a, in a polite way. But even with a burning platform, it's, it's so hard. The, the effort and the energy uh, that is required to, to challenge the status quo, to really come up with something new, is still massive with, with a burning platform. If you ask me if things are changing, of course they are, because we, we, don't, we don't have an option. Uh, are things at the right place from an innovation point of view? I, I, don't, I don't think so. And, and probably uh, the, the key component here is leadership. Uh, this requires a, a different type of leadership because people are now working from home in, in different places with family, living, cool, 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 cool living, of course, with their own family. How, what, what is the type of leadership that we need to organize people to solve problems in, in, real, in real time? Uh, and I don't know the answer. Everybody's mm -hmm. talking about COVID-19 and what to do, but I, I know that we are all learning. Mm -hmm. But I still think the basic ingredients are uh, active listening, listening, listen to your people regardless of their job mm -hmm. rank get insights from literally everybody and then allow people to fail, allow people to come up with different ideas, allow people to, to, to experiment, be, be, be more flexible and start by starting. Just do, do things, get, get things done. Be very pragmatic because we are running out of time or else the economy will go down, down the drain. Mm -hmm. So leadership will be the key component to change things, in my opinion. I think you make some very, very good points there. And it's amazing as well to hear and also to see firsthand that some businesses, you know, have this burning platform. Uh, as you said, we all have a burning platform. The sense of urgency should absolutely be through the roof. And so there is not time to necessarily keep on doing things the same way that we've done them before. Um, you know, it's, it's very fascinating there as well, because you mentioned a number of very, very well-known brands, you know, Apple and, and, and such and Nokia and other organizations which have been born ultimately out of, out of a crisis or out of recession. Now, I know those businesses haven't per se, 
but some of the most successful businesses have been born out of a time of tragedy where they've been forced to make decisions at haste and at speed, not knowing what the consequences will be. And so, and what I would say, and I'm sure you ask this of many of your clients and certainly of, of government, is if not now, then when? Because, <laughs> because frankly, if we are not feeling the burn and the pain of that burning platform as you so articulately put it then really when are we actually going to utilize and harness the opportunity to be able to innovate because really now is the perfect time and you know of course you know this because you've worked and founded many businesses you know from a small scale to high growth but you're constantly trying out new things you know whether it works whether it doesn't you, yeah. you, you switch yeah. and you change and you try again you know it is simply the only way to survive so thank you very much for, for, for sharing that, Hugo. And, um, you know, before we get into kind of some other questions, I wondered whether just for our listeners' sake, for those who, who perhaps don't know you personally um, that well, of course, a lot of us have heard of Capita, you know, very, very large organization. I've heard from many of the businesses that you worked for previously. But I wonder, could you give us a little um, nutshell synopsis of how you came to be where you are today? Because you have a very interesting international background, um, you know, being Portuguese as well yourself. And so I wonder, um, could you tell us a little bit about that career journey uh, to, uh, to date? Oh, that that will require a lot a lot of time because I've started two hundred years ago, so <laughs> maybe three hundred years ago. You're so, not uh, that old. <laughs> so yeah, I, I started my uh, professional uh, life in a consulting firm called Arthur Delittle. This was around two thousand ninety nine or nineteen ninety nine, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, so before the dot com boom, so mm -hmm. uh, I'll. I'll a bit similar what ha what happened probably two three years ago in the startup world. So everybody was spending a lot of money trying to develop crazy ideas. Silicon Valley was becoming more and more popular. So after two to three years working at Arthur Delittle, a crisis. Mm -hmm. So the, the dot com mm -hmm. boom, the bubble just mm -hmm. explo exploded. Mm -hmm. So it was the first crisis uh, that I've experienced. So I said to myself, okay, I'm young. I know a lot of things, different things mm -hmm. in the technology world. What am I going to do next? So I founded my, uh, co-founded my first company with a, with a few colleagues in, 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 in mm -hmm. France. Small operation. Uh, we, uh, I think now it's called managed services. So we were responsible for the outsourcing of infrastructures and mm -hmm. software developments of SMEs, uh, small to medium-sized companies in, Port in Portugal. It was, quite, it, was, it was new at the time because mm -hmm. we were uh, managing uh, infrastructures remotely in, mm -hmm. in particular. So working from home probably 20 years ago was quite dis 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 disruptive. Uh, this is what, what we did. But after a few months, I started to understand my partner happy with the status quo. He thinks a small company is good enough. But I was like, no, we need to grow. Growth mm -hmm. is, is key or else we won't survive. So after three years, I decided to say bye-bye. Let, let's, let's stay friends. Mm -hmm. uh, I really like you, but your vision is different from, 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 mm -hmm. the mind, from mine. So I went back to, to consulting, helping many different organizations. And suddenly, let's say I was invited to uh, become a CIO of a large uh, government, mm -hmm. governmental agency. Actually, it's called the Department of Tourism, mm -hmm. which is quite important in Portugal because it's probably 50% of the Port yeah, Portugal's yeah. GDP. It's huge. And the project was a dream because the goal was to merge four public bodies into mm -hmm. one. 
And I was responsible for that technological merger, data centers, computers, servers, but also people. So moving people from one from physical physical location A to physical location B. And I was young. I was 26 or 27 years old. And to be honest, that was my dream to become an IT director, CIO uh, before turning 30. So that challenge was great, in particular from a soft skills point of view, because I've realized, okay, I'm very good with my own hands, you know, from a technical point of view, Mm -hmm. but in a C-level position or reporting to the board, you you need to become a lot more, a lot better in in the soft skills world. So emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. So that was, I didn't have that muscle, to be honest. So I've developed that muscle, failing a lot of things, not from a technological point of view, but from a leadership point of view, and probably not leadership of my own team, mm-hmm. but uh, trying to influence others to do the things I want, I want, I want to, 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 to do. So now that, now that I look back, uh, I, I'm like, God, I did so many, many, many mistakes from a leadership point of view, even from a management point of view. Technology was fine. I was able to talk about many different things, infrastructure, software development, but soft skills, emotional intelligence, that's when I developed my muscle. Then another crisis in Portugal. So I was okay. So I'm in government. There's a crisis. They are going to cut my salary. So I need to go back to consulting. So that, that's why I did. I went, I went back to consulting, to GFI. GFI is a large European consulting system integrator based in France with, with offices all, all over Europe. And after, uh, sorry, before I joined this company, I, I had a chat with a headhunter in Guildford. He told me, Hugo, you need to develop sales skills. You don't have sales in your mm. CV. And I said, but I don't need sales skills. Why, why the hell do I need sales skills? And he was like, you know, CEOs call me every single day. And the first thing they ask is, I need people with sales skills. So if you want to disagree with me, go ahead. <laughs> but if you... But if you really want to, you know, become someone important in the private sector, you need sales skills. So I went back to consulting, but this time I said, no, I, I need probably spend half of my time in a sales position. So that's what, what happened. I was invited or hired as a business unit manager with a full PL responsibility. So my goal was to sell and to deliver. Mm-hmm. The delivery side was quite comfortable because I, I did that many times. Sales, what I did was, okay, I guess there's a bit of art, but I think I can learn. So mm-hmm. I went to Amazon. I, I bought five books on how to sell. <laughs> 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 I'm being completely honest, so brutally honest. After reading those five books, I was, I was like, okay, now I need to try this. <laughs> it is definitely an art, isn't it, though? And it's so fascinating what you say there about emotional intelligence. And, you know, the more and more CEOs, founders, owners, successful leaders that I speak with, the more I, I fundamentally realize that one cannot exist in a successful leadership role of the future without the emotional intelligence and the human connective, human connectivity shall I say, it's virtually impossible. You could have the best technological skills in the world about whatever it might be, but without being able to tell that story, it is nearly impossible to bring people along the journey with you. So it is fascinating to hear you kind of encompass that in a very 
a very short and also very modest nutshell, which I think is crucial for, for leaders. I think there's nothing, nothing worse than, than interviewing leaders or speaking with leaders who are, you know, all singing, all dancing, you know, not willing to confess that there have been failures upon once upon a time, because I think we are all humans and, you know, most people learn the most from their failures. And so without those, how can we fulfill, yeah. um, you know, successful leadership if we don't know what the downside looks like as well as the upside, right? And, and, and I think Microsoft CEO said a few years ago, it's all about learning, learning. And this is the scientific method, right? To learn, we need to experiment. If we experiment, we assume we don't know. So we are going to file until, until we discover, okay, there's something here. Now I know how it works. Mm -hmm. And the process itself will teach us how to make things work and, and and i think and, and that that's me so i think from, from the start i like to experiment i like to challenge the, the status quo uh, that's why I, i've tried many different things in in, in my life but that, now that i look back i can say okay i can talk sales because i went through that at gfi as a business unit manager mm -hmm. i can talk technology because i use my own hands mm -hmm. to code to manage infra infrastructures and if we and if we look back probably many, many years, uh, guys such as uh, Da Vinci, Michelangelo, th they were experts in many different things. Mm -hmm. uh, but we know that after the Industrial Revolution, the idea was if you know a lot about many things, you are not good. You need to become an expert in one thing. So after, just to continue, after GFI, uh, uh, and I got bored here, after three years, I said no. I need to go back to the startup world. So I'm going to start my own startup. And I started a code school. Code schools are now popular. It's about teaching people something complex in a short period of time, mm -hmm. software development, for instance. So I started a code school in, in Portugal and I've helped to co-found another one in, in Romania. We are talking about 2013. Unemployment was high. Uh, young and highly skilled people in the wrong area. So we've decided to retrain these guys in, in 12 weeks. The, and the business model was different. So our sales pitch was, you don't pay the training program unless you get a job after 12 weeks. Mm -hmm. So our mission was to train, but not just to train, but find a job in, in the tech industry. This was my real life MBA, starting a business from zero, understanding the importance of cash collection, something mm -hmm. that in a large, in a large multinational company, we don't talk cash collection. Mm -hmm. We talk accruals. Uh, there's a spreadsheet with numbers and that's our reality. When we become entrepreneurs and you know that it's about cash. Cash oh in our goodness, bank account. It's, uh, yeah, so. often <laughs> I like to call it fag packet maths. Um, you know, how long do we have to survive before we go under? <laughs> No, How long? It yeah, is quite, yeah, it true. is quite true. And, you know, again, thank you very much for sharing, Hugo. And I wondered also, because I'm conscious of how busy you are and our timing for today, but you were listed in the inaugural uh, Maserati 100 um, in 2015, which is entrepreneurs and all about supporting the next generation, which I find really quite fascinating because, um, you know, for me personally and, and for Dial Global, it's very much about supporting those next generations of leaders. And, um, you know, it's fascinating looking at the mindsets of various different generations now I know that you are you know particularly particularly keen on uh, on diversity and inclusion in all different forms and how that contributes to innovation in specific and I wondered um, you know to you what does diversity inclusion and belonging mean personally I, I think that's a key ingredient to to, to innovate w without diversity without inclusion 
uh, we don't have different ideas. So if we all look the same, if we all talk the same, if we are not allowed to, to, to disagree, we won't be able to come up with something new. Mm-hmm. So from, it's, it's a matter of survival. It, it's kind of, when I use the word stupid, sorry, mm-hmm. uh, not to leverage uh, diversity, not to address inclusion as a priority in a small company, in a large company, public sector as, as well. Diversity and inclusion are key mm-hmm. factors. This is probably new, this topic everybody's talking about probably since four, five, five mm-hmm. years ago. But from my personal point of view, it, it's not new. It was like, yeah, ob- obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've worked in many different countries uh, from the start with people all over the world. So I've, I've realized, yeah, this is it. We learn a lot more. We learn faster. Our perspective will change because there's a different perspective in, in, in the room. And that was a key factor uh, to help me to grow as an individual. So I can't even imagine uh, a leader that doesn't empower uh, and, and, or uh, enable in an environment where diversity and inclusion are not a, pri- are not a priority. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, we are in 2020. Yes, we do need to talk about this, but this should be, business as usual, it should be normal. But if we are talking about this, it's because it's, it's still not normal. Mm-hmm. And that, that's what worries me. What, mm-hmm. what can we do? Uh, and now with COVID-19, we don't know what's going to happen, right? But from a political point mm-hmm. of view, my, my fear is that we go back mm-hmm. a few years and we start again talking about, you know, we just take a look at the Brexit. Uh, the problem of England is because of people from other countries. If, if, if we continue to talk about this, you know, type of politics, I'm, I'm trying to be uh, diplomatic here, diversity won't be a priority again. We, we are going to still think that we can do everything by ourselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way we think is the right way. So we, we, we don't want different points of view. And we go back 20 years, 30 years mm-hmm. because of COVID-19. So let, let's see what's going to happen. So what you're saying ultimately is let's not put diversity and inclusion on the back burner right now. Let's push it to the forefront. I completely agree with you. It's an absolute obvious. Um, I don't understand why people would not want to embrace this. However, it is true when we look at the wider organizations, you know, obviously there's lots of different facets to DNI, DNI, mindset, gender, race, ethnicity, you know, the whole number of them, invisible diversities, etc. You know, but what you're saying ultimately is let's not put this on the back burner. Um, DNI is critically important. Well, we have the burning platform to be able to utilize now if we are not as good when it comes to different mindsets different types of people in order to solve these types of challenges well let's 100 address it right now because frankly we should be adopting inclusive behavior leaders should be adopting that at times of unprecedented change and uncertainty take a look at take a look at china right so we, we should be open-minded and think, okay, they are doing this and that to address the crisis, okay? So why don't we copy and adapt a few of those models? Because they are all, uh, probably one month or two months ahead of us. Instead of let's reinvent the wheel because we are uh, arrogant and, and we think, no, no, our way is better than that way. So if other countries already tried a few things, we should learn with those countries. Mm-hmm. But we, we know that sometimes, in, in particular, probably politicians, no, 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 let's do it my way. Mm-hmm. But in a, mm-hmm. in a situation like this, we are talking about uh, people's lives. Mm-hmm. So we cannot afford to be arrogant. We really need to learn, okay, they tried that, we will follow that 
Mm -hmm. recommendation as well because it worked mm -hmm. i love how you so. put that there i love how you put that i mean ultimately what it is is ego is the enemy right now <laughs> ego is the enemy and collaborative behavior is absolutely what we need and and, and you know where you talk about no point in reinventing the wheel i love that that's coming from an innovation expert because that is what we need it's also being sensible about things we all want innovation we all want to change the world for the better. But ultimately, if those methodologies exist already, hello, stick it out the window right exactly. now, because exactly. why would we not, um, you know, why would we not? I heard someone use a really interesting expression the other day, but said, steal with pride. And I was like, oh, that's so interesting. Steal with pride, you know, steal it with pride, tweak it to, um, to address your specific needs. But if it is not broken, then why would we fix it, especially in a crisis that's costing people's lives? You know, so I absolutely, I mean, I couldn't have put it better myself. I, I think I, it's excellent, excellent. I think it's called, I, I, I call it the Titanic syndrome. Uh, ego is the enemy. It's the too big to fail. It, it's not directly related with the country itself because mm -hmm. even in a small country, they think we are too big to fail. Ego is the enemy. And in innovation, my definition, my favorite definition of innovation is coming up with something new and mm -hmm. valuable. Not just something new, that's an invention. New and valuable, meaning it adds value to people's lives lives or people are willing to that. use or okay I'm so it's new and valuable <laughs> thank you coming up so with something e new e and valuable i love that exactly that ego true ego is the enemy you are absolutely right uh, i prefer to call it titanic syndrome we are the best this is the best ship in the world nothing can take take us down uh, until, until it's too late and then mm. lessons learned but we are dead so mm -hmm. <laughs> I like that Titanic the time syndrome. There's been, uh, anyhow, we could talk about that on another whole podcast, you know? Yes, <laughs> yes, those yes. that suffer with Titanic syndrome. <laughs> so, Hugo, before we run out of time today, I'd love to go into a uh, lightning round. And actually, there's so many other things I want to ask you, least of all, in fact. Uh, any thoughts on, on our business? Because you are a digital IT expert, but I will ask you when we are off the air. Um, so, moving into the, the lightning round, I, uh, I'm going to start with the biggest question here, actually. But what has been your personal secret to success because there's many individuals that listen to the show who are not only seasoned executives but we always have we also have aspiring uh, individuals who are you know what I like to 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 see as future leaders and future innovators so you know for for, for, for you what has been your secret to success and is there any advice that you'd want to impart on any of our listeners who are tuning in today well two things in particular I think we need to stay curious we, we need to stay curious and, and that requires efforts mm -hmm. because when we succeed, we think we are the best. And then ego. And ego is the enemy of innovation. We talked about this. And the second thing is challenging the status quo. Mm -hmm. So we, we need to challenge our own status quo. And if we work in a particular org organization, regardless of their side and our job role, we need to challenge the status quo every single day in a diplomatic way. But we need to challenge the status quo. Mm -hmm. If we don't do that, we are not a good professional. It, it's part of the, the need to reinvent ourselves before the re, before we really need we really need to. So stay curious and challenge the status quo. Excellent, thank you. And I also wondered, in terms of uh, any kind of specific inspirations that you've had, whether they be personal, whether they be uh, business-wise, who has kind of inspired you the most throughout your journey? Oh, that's a tricky question because uh, if I mention one name, I don't, I don't mention another name. So I, I will just say a few colleagues, 
uh, I was lucky to work with very, very good people in, in different org organizations. So when I started, it was person X, then moved to person Z. And of course, book authors, Gary Hamill, probably in, in particular, if I, if I can mention a name, Jack Welch, all those famous mm. management and, and leadership. Probably more recently, Elon Musk, uh, Satya Nadella from, mm. from, from Microsoft. So this new wave of entrepreneurs as well, uh, from Snapchat, for, for instance. So regardless of their age and what they've achieved, there's always something to learn from, from Disney. And then movies. I, I, love, I love cinema. I love Netflix, by the way. And there's always, oh, you know, <laughs> oh, that guy, that actor, the actor itself or the role he's playing, we can learn. So there's a movie, an old one, uh, uh, The Godfather. So regardless of the, the core business, I think that's Marlon Brando or Vito Corleone, the way that he... See, he's a leader. He's an entrepreneur. He's a manager. He's a family man. He mm -hmm. takes care of family. And family is number one. For, for him it's another role, role model not the core business itself yes yeah. <laughs> the type the type the of way skills. he goes about it yes indeed exactly indeed. exactly in focus very focused. we are not promoting the mafia here by any stretch of the imagination at, at all at all <laughs> at all at all i watched goodfellas actually the night before last and oh my goodness such great classic films just <laughs> brilliant classic films and there it was googling away afterwards do the mafia still exist but it's just fascinating isn't it exactly it's fascinating but uh, but yes yeah, some definite interesting uh, interesting pieces to glean on how to do business in obviously not the right way in some instances but still you know you uh, you can't put them down for not being entrepreneurial i guess exactly be open-minded that's the thing be open-minded <laughs> indeed indeed and they're a multicultural mix as well you know italians living in new york um precisely but, but, but finally uh, i wondered uh, what advice if you could go back uh, you know a number of years and give advice to your younger self just to, to finish things off today what would you have said to yourself or indeed if there's anyone who is listening in who's you know, perhaps about to embark on something new and wondering how to go about it. You might say oh, that, that that's yourself. an easy one. I, I, I would say uh, leave your home country uh, as soon as possible. So probably I would go to uh, Asia two, three years and Africa, uh, United States, having a chance to learn from others with different cultures, different backgrounds in a short period of time. I think that's an accelerator for our mm. personal growth. And now it's going to become uh, really hard because of, you know, post COVID-19, we don't know if people are going to travel as much. I think it's not going to be easy. So I, I will, I'm going to tell my, my kids to go, just, just, just go, don't even think of it. Even if it is to work in a bar or a restaurant, you will learn something new. So do that as soon as possible. Learn with different cultures, different experiences. You are you are going to leverage that sooner or or or, or later. So I, I moved to Ireland uh, three years ago, then UK. I've learned so many different things just because of moving to another country. That now I'm like God. I should I should have tried this uh, before. And uh, bear in mind, I've worked in different countries, meaning two three weeks projects here here and there, uh, France, Italy, Germany, etc. But it's completely different. Living in one place or just traveling to a place are two, diff two different things. So you might, my piece of advice is just go. There's no such thing as failure. You will learn a lot and then you will be able to leverage that, that knowledge. Wonderful. Thank you ever so much, Hugo, and some brilliant points to, to end today's show on. So thank you ever so much for joining us today. Very much appreciated. Thank you. Thank you very much. My, my pleasure.
Thank you so much. And just by way of a summary, uh, as I know you've probably listened to the podcast show already, so you know what is coming, but um, you know, lots and lots of uh, nuggets of wisdom here, I think, from today's show. Least of all, if you aren't utilizing the burning platform that is uh, the situation that we are in right now, please, 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 we urge you to utilize that for new ways to innovate. If not now, then when? This is a time where people are trying different things. Well, we have to try different things. So if there is a time um, to really go gung-ho into new ideas and not do it as we always have done, as Hugo has, uh, has pointed out numerous times throughout today's podcast, please do um, try and consider the options and don't leave it until it is too late. Perhaps we can use this as a reminder, a stark reminder, to do this on, on, on an ongoing basis when the world does return to the new normal. But, uh, but some really, really good learning points there. But most of all, if you are in a technical role right now, or if you're striving to be a future leader, as Hugo's pointed out there, we do need to have that emotional intelligence. That is very much at the heart of storytelling, uh, being a leader, uh, really understanding what your people do and what they're about and making sure that you take them on the journey. You could have the best techno tech technological uh, skills in the entire world within your respective field. But if you don't have that emotional intelligence, it's very, very hard to create a sustainable business. So, you know, if it means going onto Amazon and buying five books about how to sell or how to glean emotional intelligence, find, find out a little bit more about yourself and utilize this time to find out more about you. What is it that makes you tick? What is it that makes you, you know, potentially a commercial beast of the future? Because these are skills that are absolutely invaluable. And that goes to existing leaders and future leaders as well. And finally, I, I love this. Uh, I love this expression, Titanic syndrome. I'm definitely going to be using that again after this podcast. But, uh, but do not have the attitude where, uh, where, where ego prevents you from making something happen. Uh, we are never too big or too mighty to come down and fall hard even though we think we might have the best product or service ever. Nothing these days is invincible. And so Titanic syndrome, make sure you watch out for that. You might see it in the boardroom. Um, do try and call it out and don't be scared to, to challenge the status quo, as Hugo has said, because although it is challenging, you will thank us again for doing that later because believe us, you know, nothing is forever. In this ever-changing world, we must be prepared for the future. So um, thank you very, very much again there, Hugo. It's been wonderful to have you here today. As, uh, as usual, all of the information will be online. Um, I will put down some of the authors there that Hugo has mentioned, some of the great film suggestions as well. If you haven't watched those epic films that we have, uh, have mentioned there, um, Godfather <laughs> and uh, some of the Italian mafia films, brilliant entertainment during this downtime. So you know, do make sure you check them out. You can visit us at www.dialglobal.org forward slash podcast. Um, we also have a COVID-19 hub, which is completely free for all non-digital members, which we are putting at the forefront to help support everyone in times of crisis. So lots on there about mental health and also embracing and harnessing leadership potential. So do check us out on online. And um, you can also visit www.laylamckenzie.com forward slash podcast. And uh, on all of your favorite podcast apps and on YouTube, you'll be able to see all of the information from today. So if you haven't managed to write it down, then do make sure you check out the show notes. We are with you every week at the moment. We're here twice weekly because of the unprecedented times. My name is Leila McKenzie-Dallas and you have been listening to Diverse and Inclusive Leaders, the podcast show. And we will look forward to seeing you again very, very soon. Thanks again to Hugo D'Souza for being a fantastic guest here today. <laughs>